Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! You're exactly the hero I wanted you to be. The theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by R. Stoner, which is available on the Free Music Archive. You should seriously go there. They have everything. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Gretchen. Hello. Julia. Hi. And Leah, the co-chair of the con TGI Femslash, who you can also find as Professor Spork on all of social media. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to join the Buy NFJ club. Thing <laughs> here. Yeah, but Buy NFJ with a straight INTP <laughs> representing. I feel so marginalized. Oh my gosh! We just honestly, <laughs> we just really want to get shirts that say Buy NFJ. Please do. I will buy five. Oh yeah. I, I would buy one, but week. not wear it because that would be appropriative. Yes. I will do it. I'll do it five times. Anyway, <laughs> we decided, uh, Leah is, we're really excited to have as a guest. Uh, she certainly specializes in many queer lady things. Aww. And a lot of what we want to talk about on this episode is going to be, uh, sort of the reign of queer subtext ships and the discussion about Supergirl. Because even though yeah, we reign is like, a well selected phrase. <laughs> Oh, yes, I get it. It's a pun. Ha ha. Do you see? Because there's gonna, there's gonna be a raid. But, uh, yeah, we, we've talked a bit about Supergirl and sort of the decline in quality in season two, at least from what we thought was palpable. And we, we thought we'd just give it a little more time to air that discussion. But first, as we always do on this podcast, oh wait, you should know who we are. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Gosh. Everyone who isn't Leah writes for <laughs> thefandamentals.com. <laughs> That's our website. And we have fundamentally sound fandom analysis and exactly. Incredibly forgetful podcast hosts. <laughs> if you don't know who you are by now. <laughs> I wrote it down on a bracelet somewhere, I swear. And uh, <laughs> what we're going to do on this podcast is more general fandom discussion, which opens with 10 minutes of fandom news. What's been going on for the past two weeks? Um, I have stuff. Julia, we Gretchen, have notes. Gretchen is reading. Gretchen is reading a Princess Leia YA novel, and it's amazing. Oh my god! Her little screenshots that she's sending us. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, I've been I've been sending screenshots to them because because Claudia Gray mm-hmm. like has read all has apparently read all of the meta that has ever been written about Princess it's Leia. It's really on our nice site. when like your head cannons from when you were twelve years old are vindicated when you're thirty two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Space Lord Dern is by. Yes! Everyone is buying unless otherwise stated. But I mean, like, okay, uh, yes. so when they first released the trailer for episode eight, Vulture put out, uh, this kind of parodic review saying, but where was Space Laura Dern? Um, <laughs> which was also my perspective. <laughs> oh my and now we know where she was. She was with all species and genders. With <laughs> right. her beautiful pink hair. And I'm just Right, really... because being attracted to only uh, humanoid males is limiting. It's so limiting. In her, in her own words. From the Leia YA novel. Does that make Leia xenophobic? No, she just knows what she likes. Yeah. 
Leia, I mean, Princess Leia is a decisive woman. She no, knows what she, she likes. likes and she sticks she by likes it. dudes so much she liked her own brother. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, very nice. The dude part is fine. I'm just wondering about the humanoid part. Is that like <laughs> I mean she did call she did call Chewbacca a walking carpet. She might be a little bit speciesist. She no, she did like threaten to kiss him or something? Or offer to kiss him? I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. Yes, just as soon, kiss yes. A yes. Yeah. Well, feeling the fact that she totally was would just as soon fuck Han, <laughs> I think it's safe to assume that she totally would have fucked Chewie too. There we go. New discourse. Chewie. Leia is Chewie. racist yeah. against Wookiees. <laughs> Probably. And go. <laughs> you are a problematic fave. Yeah. Well, there is certainly other Star Wars discourse. Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine lost its director, Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow. He did direct. Yeah. Bye. I he won't did. miss you. That's what you get. Yeah. Yeah. He had directed Jurassic World for anyone who hasn't heard of him. Oh, I'm still not over. No, but that he movie also no he have his, Velociraptors. I'm sorry. His passion not, project was like the movie where like. Jacob Tremblay is like a child genius who solved a murder or something. It was not good. Oh, not I know good. what you're talking about. Yeah, <sighs> I know what you're talking about. I don't I remember forever, the name of it, I, won't I know miss exactly you. what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, we're not going to miss him. No, That's I'm not mourning this. Bye. <laughs> That's fine. Although I did see a hoax article saying Joss Whedon had stepped up oh, to take God. over, and I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, no, Aww. I mean, I, I don't think that's a big deal. I also thought it was Star Wars Episode Eight for a bit. I was like, wait a second. They're still... <laughs> they still haven't found still, a new director? Yeah. <laughs> they're still directing this? What's happening here? Um, uh, in other news, the fourth and final season of Star Wars Rebels premieres in October. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I still need to watch it. I hear good things, though. Yeah, I'm actually just cup- uh, catching up on Clone Wars. Yeah, I'm very behind on Rebels, but now I'm kind of terrified that it's going to end with all of them dying on Jeddah. Oh, probably. They could do that. They could do that. I mean, also, I still stand ability. by Ahsoka living. That's just my head canon. She's never, she hasn't died in canon. She's still alive. In my if, that, if that makes you feel better, dear, it does. I think, I think it that's does fine. make me feel better. Um, other news. We're going to have to talk about Clone Wars, the stupid kids cartoon that is so much better than those fucking prequel movies. <laughs> oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. Um, when Ian gets, his life settles down. We should yeah. we should have Ian on and we can talk about Absol- that. Oh, absolutely. Um. So, in a other final piece of Star Wars news, uh, Paul Bettany is going to be in the Han Solo movie. He was okay. Jarvis. Yeah. Sure. I think of him as be- as Chaucer in Beautiful Minds. Okay. okay. Or ahead. not Chaucer. He was Chaucer in A Knight's Tale. Knight's Tale. Those are very different yeah. things. They like- kind of run together for what it sounds weird, but they do in my head. <laughs> Like he's just uh, kind of math genius and weird. Russell Crowe fighting delicious. people in uh, <laughs> with lances. Yeah, uh, a beautiful night. Right. <laughs> Someone make this crossover. Well, um, a mind. I don't have any guesses as to who he'd be playing or what this movie is. He's but... Chewbacca's dad. I mean, Dick Clark is in it. I don't. Know. All I know about that movie now. I feel like. Right. I feel like every piece of news about the Han Solo movie is just like someone threw darts at a board and is trying to make something happen out of it. Watch us learn that he's going to be Boba Fett now or something. He's going to do a really good Django impression. I don't know. Oh my god. Like something terrible. Good lord. All right. Let's move off of uh, Star Wars. There's actually uh, some news, I guess, about Maya Mortal. Oh Oh my gosh. 
This is like things heating up in the Harry Potter fandom. This is one of my favorite things to come out of just like the universe right now. So some young, I don't even, she may or may not be young. Like some woman wrote a YA novel called Handbook for Mortals and it's apparently really terrible. Um, but somehow ended up on the top of the New York Times bestseller list, aka by cheating. Um, she was called, uh, well, they gamed the system. Uh, there's news about there's it. Like a, there's like a there's like a Nielsen rating, but for the New York Times bestseller list, like they take samples right. from different bookstores, and Oy. so they just bought out ten thousand books from the like several bookstores that the New York Times right. is checking by buying like one less than is considered a bulk order because whatever yeah. that rating system is doesn't take into account book uh, bulk orders. Yeah, this also so involves ordering like, a- the cast of Buffy and some. Ba- it it just goes deeper and deeper. Hmm. The story is the most wild story in the world. Yeah. Um, so what makes it even more wild is that some people were like, oh, maybe she's actually the author of My Immortal. Haha, <laughs> because her book is so awful. So the actual author of My Immortal <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually apparently like, like took to Twitter and was like, excuse me. How dare you? I wrote My Immortal and I didn't write that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which well, is she hilarious. wrote My Immortal when she was, like, 12, so we yeah. right. give her a break. <laughs> um, and her, like, her, um, her AO3 name is Tara, and so apparently through this process, um, people discovered her real identity. Oh. Um, oh, and... No. She's, she's right, well, she's writing a, a memoir about her experience. Right! Um, yes. Of which My Immortal is a key part, but she she actually has a very tragic life. Like, she's yeah. uh, part Native American, and she's a lesbian, and she, like, was abused from a very early age. She was in the foster system, and writing My Immortal was, in fact, a large part of, like, how she coped. Um, right. And if, if, if any of you are, remember My Immortal, there was this whole thing in the author's notes about Raven, who was her beta reader slash best friend, um, yeah. with whom she was actually totally in love. Um, oh, and so, yeah, it's, and also she has not said this on the FAQ, but the way she talks about Raven kind of makes it sound like Raven's dead. Um, don't, like, uh. that may or may not be true. So, like, it's hard to laugh. Right. Like, it's very easy to laugh about it because it's my immortal, but it's actually mm-hmm. kind of incredibly sad. But, um, if anyone right. deserves to be famous, like, Darren Chris had his day of emerging out of the Harry Potter fa- fandom, and now it is her turn. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I wish only like good things for her because she sounds like a really awesome person and who has survived a lot. And I think she's actually a published author now. Yes, she um, is. She's written professionally. So I also think that My Immortal is like finely tuned parody. Maybe yeah. maybe it was earnest when she wrote it, but it's brilliant as parody. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's one of those it works really well as Pose Law, even though it wasn't intended that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm posing like um, that today, I think. <laughs> hey, l- l- let's talk about something a little happier and gayer. Uh, the Carmilla trailer dropped oh a couple days ago now. What? And it's, it, what was it? A couple, oh, a days, couple ago? days ago. Yeah, over this, yeah. Pa- um, what will be two weekends ago. So the first weekend in September. Ah, got it, got it. And it's a film, it's, it's a Carmilla movie that's not shot via webcam and that's going to come out October 26th. And it is going to feature Charlotte Bronte in it, who is super gay. The Bron- like Charlotte- Emily okay, and Charlotte are in Charlotte it. Charlotte Bronte is super gay. Yep. Jane Eyre is like the gayest book. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like they, sh- they have letters. There are letters from her to like one of her quote unquote best friends that are basically like, I am in love with you. 
Yeah, and everyone galpels it, and it's just like, I want to have the sex. Right. Like, oh, wow. They're so close. This is, what, what a good friendship goal. Right. Um, so yeah, and, um, both of the Bronte sisters are being played by, um, Asian American actors, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. And people will bitch about it. Yeah, but whatever. Because Carmilla is so historically accurate. Oh my, right? It's about a former, va- it's about a vampire. Like, God damn <laughs> like it. They a university that, like, has dead students everywhere and nobody seems to care. <laughs> right! Um, and, uh, Dominique Provost Chalky, who plays Waverly Earp, is going to be in it. Um, as the woman in black. I have oh a feeling God. she's Carmilla's first love. That's my theory. May or may not be right. But it's super gay. Oh my I'm God. I'm so happy to see her playing anyone who's also gay. Like, <laughs> right. is she going to use her real yeah. accent or is she going to continue to be fake Canadian? I don't know. I would love her to use her real accent. It's adorable. I mean, that would make sense if it's in England. Like, it involves but time like, travel. But Carmilla is like such face. a Canadian institution, I feel. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, question. Um, we are sort of pushing the time limits on these and I know we've got a lot Rose of- Rose Tyler's about. by the end! <laughs> we gotta right? talk about how oh there's an Indiana Jones 5. What? Why would we have to talk about that? No, just okay. like, just mention it, like, there's okay. an Indiana hey, Jones 5. Hey, listeners, there's, <laughs> there's an Indiana Jones 5. That no one asked sh- for. And no. Shia LaBeouf will not be in it. Oh no. Good. He needs to move away from that shit. <laughs> Indiana Jones 4 was stupid. And Shia LaBeouf is actually kind of a talented artist, uh, in some ways, so. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see him. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, but Rose Tyler is by, as you heard Leia shout. Yeah, uh, she is. It's just, when I was on Ladies First with you guys a while ago, well, Gretchen, I, yep. Yep. I mentioned that I was asked what my first queer fandom was, to which I said, in many ways, Doctor Who, because all of my friends who are queer women are our last fandom before we tipped over the edge and all became super gay was the doctor and Rose. And it's like, a, yep. because we're all in love with Rose Tyler and it's like a weird proto ship. And that was the last time I was on a fundamentalist podcast. And so now I feel responsible for this. <laughs> poetry, it rhymes. It's yeah. Right. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> Yes, this thank is you. all my but responsibility. Seriously. I mean, like, the the new doctor, like, the actor who's going to play the new doctor kind oh of proves God. that Time Lords don't see gender the same way they do. So, there we go. Jodie Whittaker okay. is awesome. a queen. She's awesome. I can't. I yeah, can't. She's, she's a really good choice. As, as as Billy Piper, the actress who plays Rose Tyler, put it herself, she's smoking. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. That's what she said on Twitter. Ugh. She was like, Rose would totally be in love with her. She's smoking. And I was like, oh I, my God. I love you. I mean, it's funny mm, because really I, I truly do think Rose Tyler is kind of like a, a straighty mixed Raiderson, um, who, of whom, like, like, no, she's the kind of girl that like, like she's your straight friend that you fall in love with by accident. But mm, she was so in love I with the that. doctor that like, if she had gotten to be around, and while while she was traveling along with Ten, and Ten had to- turned into Jodie Whittaker, I'm sure she would have rolled with it. There's no world in which mm-hmm. she would not have rolled with it. She would have found a way. Have you seen Secret Diary of a Call totally. Girl? Yes, I have. Absolutely, yeah, okay. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Formative oh, experience. <laughs> um, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of news right now. No, I mean, probably the last bit that's of interest is the Aladdin casting announcements uh, have been made. <laughs> Right. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be having a piece on that, uh, if not by the time this podcast is out, sometime this week. Yeah, Shahar so, is going to be writing something about it. Yeah, and I'd rather hold off and let her comment on it, to be perfectly honest. I was just going to say, I do think it's weird that there's going to be, like, a 
a white prince who's probably going to be a rival to Aladdin, but whatever. I, I like the part where sure. Nassim Pedrad is getting more jobs. I am for that. Yes. I always true. felt that what Aladdin was lacking was a love triangle. <laughs> yeah, you know what Aladdin needs? White. Well, technically, <laughs> did have that love triangle with like Jafar. Oh, <laughs> oh god! Yeah. For a second there, I thought you were going to say Raja, which makes no sense, and I don't know why I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> well, I say a lot of things that don't make any sense. So there we go. Oh my goodness! See, because I was just thinking that what a movie like about. Like a movie set entirely in, you know, a conglomeration of India and <laughs> the Middle East that's entirely populated by people of color needs is yeah. a white guy, so. It's pseudo, pseudo stunny. But we're not gonna root for him from the sounds of it. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, whatever. It's, it's like it's when you cast bizarre, one of the princes choice. from Into the Woods. It's pretty clear what you're setting up there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Alright, on that note, we are going to transition into our first segment on Supergirl. Speaking of unwanted white guys. Oh, <laughs> oh my no, God. thing! I just assumed it's a walkie. So, um, Supergirl, the premiere date is October 9th, so that, I feel like spring shows just ended. Like, I don't know why, but the summer just disappeared. So I feel like yeah. it's weird that fall shows are starting up again. Yeah, it's September? Yep. Yeah. It is September. I'm, I'm so confused. My child is t- is turning 11 years old in nine days. What? Oh. Right. Yes. You have a birthday coming up too, don't you? Yes. I'm old now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, let's talk about Supergirl. I'm not old. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's going to be premiering on October 9th. Um, so we thought that this might be an appropriate time to kind of take a look back at season two while also looking forward to season three, talking about, you know, what worked, what didn't, maybe what could be changed in season three, any concerns we might have for season three, all that good stuff. Um, so we, I mean, this is part of the reason we're doing this is because Leah and I have had several several conversations about Supergirl. So I was like, hey, <laughs> come talk Supergirl with us. <laughs> Kylie and I wrote like a 10,000 word essay. And there were diagrams. There was self Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, yes. that's nice. And I American have sat here while you guys have talked about Supergirl on several occasions. <laughs> that's true. We love you, Julia. Uh, yeah. If we start to get too ranty, you can be the one to pull us back in. I'm going to straighten um, you out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Julia's been sitting on that. Oh my gosh. How long have you been waiting to make that joke? Um, how long have you been recording? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. What was season two? Strengths? <laughs> weaknesses? Okay, go. I hear there was this guy named Monel and nobody liked him except for the writers apparently. Mm. Look, look, let's, let's talk about that for a second because Monel sort of has this way of just smearing his shit all over everything, including fandom dialogue. Cause when you talk about season two, all I can think of is, oh my god, Monel, remember when he cannibalized the narrative? Right. But, like, that's totally what happened and I think that's why he cannibalizes it. The most annoying the part is that like, there is a world where Monel was done well. Because right. even Dawn is a great example, Dawn Summers. There, there are times where you can introduce a character who is not only a new character, but is like, actually, now this world revolves around me. I'm going to 
like consume this narrative and make it be about my story because it is actually the most interesting place this show can go. And in and in introducing me, you will actually bring new depth and breadth to the characters you already knew. It's possible to do this. And there are many elements in his story that could have been a real asset to the show. And Chris Wood right. is capable of being cute and charming. So, like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> they had, like, a lot, they had good pieces to work with. Yeah. And somehow didn't manage to coalesce it into and something turned it into interesting. slavery apology? Right. <sighs> they, I don't know who wrote in the Daxum slaver planet thing, because it seemed like none of the other writers knew that that was <laughs> and didn't know how to handle it they just wanted something evil to talk about for an episode but because seriously those implications are just gone by the rest of the season Good. well they come up for like a minute yeah like when raya comes back it comes back up yeah, it's not like they true. forget um and kara and kara yells at him for it and then I mean, that's the other most baffling thing, is that Kara walks into this eyes open, knowing every single one of his flaws. She is, in in fact, his greatest and most eloquent critic. So, like, it's not like the writers didn't realize they wrote a shitty character. They do realize they had her call him out. I guess what it is, is that they got taken in by the idea of writing a doomed romance, quote-unquote, and at the same time writing a story of someone becoming more heroic. Mm. why that someone wasn't the titular character is beyond mm. me. <laughs> right. But, you know, this is what they were looking at when, as, you know, Leah, as you were saying, you could see a good story with Monel. To me, that would have been one that more intimately involved what he meant for Kara as like, oh, this is a protege for her in a and way like, that she never had for with Clark. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's not that these writers are incapable of writing a narrative like that, of like a sort of coming into your own and coming mm -hmm. from a bad background and somehow becoming a hero because they did it with Lena Luthor. On that very same season. With so many characters. It, right? It's, it, so like, it's not that they can't do it because I watched them do it. Yeah. <laughs> and like not you even in a- with Magan. Lena? Uh, well, I mean, we mostly watched them say they were doing it with, like, to be, to be very frank, they didn't, it was a very tell-don't-show arc for McGann. Yes. Uh, but. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and that was the fault of truncating it. Yeah, so but I mean, and they, and they, it's, it's just, it's so, I don't, mm, this show. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about a character that could have come in and taken over the narrative and it actually would have been interesting for all the other characters involved, to me, like, Lena totally could have been that. I mean, Lena because was every, that. Sometimes. Every Lena, every Lena-centric episode, yeah, I agree. She dominated the narrative. And it was really good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, Is that just because you happen to be a Lena fan, or...? No, I think it's because of what... <laughs> Her character was to Kara also because she was like an amazing foil for her. So sort of these issues that would come up with Lena would inherently have implications for the same thing Kara was struggling with. And it also with Monel, no, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's the you also have the two siblings who both named Lex. Uh, you know, it's not just it's not just that they it's not just that they had parallel narratives in the season. It's that they are coming from a place of you know, older sibling feelings. Like, they have 
they actually have very similar childhoods in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think even in the first episode that they're together, Lena says something like, I'm just trying to make a note, my own name for myself, separate from my family. Can't right. you understand that? And you see Kara like looking and right. super in love with her, yeah. but like yeah, nodding. Like, yes. Yeah. Right. And, and like something resonated with Monel instead. You know, there are some similarities in that he's also an alien refuge on, with superpowers on this planet, but they didn't really focus on that so much as they focused on like, Oh, he's so adorable, but how can she get him to play nice? Like, what? But I mean, sometimes he makes breakfast and calls James a handsome desk person, and then (laughs) he's Right, and that was, I think what got me was like, I, when Monel was being befuddled and adorable, I liked him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, you know, part of it is I think Chris Wood plays that very well, the like, I'm a fish out of water, and I use the wrong idioms and don't understand technology. Like, I love stories where you have, like, a character, like, thrown into a completely separate culture, and they have to, like, fake like they belong there. Yeah. Like, I think that that is, like, funny and interesting, Um, partly because I sometimes feel like I'm doing that in my life. Like, <laughs> I don't know what humanity is. I'm just going to fake my way through it. You know, like, we can all kind of relate, I think, well, a lot of people can relate to that idea of, like, oops, I just said something dumb, but I'm trying to pretend like I know what I'm doing. Um, And I think when Monel played that, it was fun and goofy and, I mean, maybe not the most, like, riveting television, but, like, he worked as a character. When he was allowed, totally. Right, like, he worked as a side character, like, as a side character to just be, like, the goofy alien who doesn't know Earth customs, um, it felt like they had, like, three completely different sets of character traits for Monel that they yeah. never quite got to work. I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But, I mean, agree. the same thing is true of James Olsen, to be fair. Mm. I think this series just has a sort of perennial male lead problem. Because with James, he was either the voice of reason and of justice, or he was right. weird jealous guy. Yeah, as the outsider in this conversation is, so anyways, the problem <laughs> it seems to be to me that there's different sets of writers who don't speak to each other. Mm. That's the impression I get from this show. There's no, like, writing team. It's very, like, old school. It's like Star Trek in the 90s. I mean, there's a writer's no, room and, like, something like 15 to 20 different people credited. Yeah, yeah, so yeah it sounds like 90s Star Trek. I mean, like, you would have, have characters who are completely different from one episode to the other just because there are so many writers. It's less that the writers don't talk to each other and more that the people above the writer's room were shifting. And so it's, it's you know, right. the, the people above them are the ones who do the final edits for tone and style, right? So that way, in theory, every episode is supposed to sound like every other episode. And yeah. so I think as the chain, like, the writer's room has actually been pretty consistent even from the Swiss, the switch across networks, you see the same names coming up. So it's not yeah. those people that are not talking. It's the editorial voice of the show shifted a right, few like times. Competing visions. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And the editorial voice of the show too, the, the, the show runners representing them at like Comic Con and stuff seem to be really sticking by whatever they think season two was. Um, in terms of like, this is what we felt was interesting and we needed, you know, to have relationships with strife in it or whatever. Right. Cause be- that, that was my, that's my other big 
frustration with season two is how much the focus shifted toward romantic relationships. Mm. I mean, away I, from every other kind of relationship. There, so, I will disagree yeah. with you. Um, because I, for me personally, getting through, I, I enjoyed season one, but Supergirl was very much not like a primary fandom for me during season one. Mm. It felt. It felt kind of like homework that I had to do. And it was like good fun homework, but it was like, this is my feminist homework as I watch Supergirl. Um, <laughs> and like sometimes it's very delightful and sometimes it's very clever, but it was never like the show that really captured me. And in season two, it managed to hit a stride where it was much more a show that I felt I could be fanish about um, mm. in many ways what? because it was bringing in a lot of those, I mean, I will not lie, Lena Luthor was a big part of it. Um, I am, <laughs> yeah, I am okay, not an yeah. unbiased person. It's super coincident. But, yeah. but it's also, in the shift, season one felt very much like a, this is a show that the entire family from age seven to age 70 can sit down and watch together. Season right. two does not feel like that. No. Is and that so if you, if you thing? preferred it as a real family show, you are going to find season two lacking. I find that the specificity of tone of really choosing to hone in on the late twenties ish audience, you know, you lose, you get more of people crying, but what about the children? But I think that the show benefited from, if not, well, I mean, I don't know if benefited is the right word. I think that, <laughs> I think that people are way more, obsessed with this show now than they were last year. I think that they did I think that they succeeded in doing what they wanted to do, which was get people shouting about this show. By introducing shipping wars. Yeah, oh, exactly. Truly, like as that. much like, as I, I like, mean when it was just right. like Kara versus Lucy when they both really liked each other and they both really liked James and the biggest ship was Supercat which was, you know, fringe because some people don't do May-December relationships. It was not going to introduce this kind of discourse. It just wasn't. So they wanted us and they got us. Right, which is interesting because, like, what you're saying is exactly why I prefer season one. Right. Because (laughs) there are so many TV shows I could watch if I want that. I could literally pick any show on the CW and, like, three quarters of the show on any other network if I wanted, like primarily like relationship drama like i could pick i have my mm-hmm. pick of shows but there yeah, are not it might a be lot because of- i'm like just like i have no soul or whatever but like <sighs> as soon as the shipping war thing starts in a fandom i just want to run away <laughs> and it seems to happen to every fandom like even like weird friends right. like how can anyone ship anything in this like a song of ice and fire for example i was gonna oh say God. i think you're hinting <laughs> about something but like yeah just i anything, ship right, anything, and the dragons <laughs> well, and I, I think what's really interesting about Supergirl with regards to that, too, is you're saying, you know, they, they got us where they wanted us. I don't think it was necessarily intentionally. I mean, I guess Sandvers has been well-received, but far and away the most popular ship is Supercore, just based on online polls and everything oh, that yeah? people have been responding to. And it was totally unintentional. Like, they had no idea what they were doing. Yes, but they knew what they were doing when they cast Katie McGrath. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, you are courting a certain audience point. when you put that woman in your show. You <laughs> right. have to be really I mean, dumb to not know that. I don't think they realized what would happen, but they, I, right. they, they knew, oh, the people who, you know, the lesbians who loved her on Dracula and Merlin are going, may check out this show now because she's in it. I think that they right. definitely knew that. I don't think they 
foresaw the sheer vehemence of Supercorp shipping. Because who could? That's a really good way of putting it. But right, I don't. I, they would have to be very stupid to not. Where she wants, coming. if she wants to know if like subtext is text, she like shows me something and asks, like, <laughs> "What's yeah. going on in this scene?" Like, remember that bubbling scene with the, with the Just Your oh, Problem God, song? Yes. Like, yeah. this is like, I've never seen any Adventure yeah. Time before. She's like, what's going on in this scene? And I was like, well, obviously the floating chick who's singing, uh, was in a relationship with a pink chick. Right. And it went badly, so now they're upset with each other. And she's like, yeah, isn't it yeah. obvious? And like, <laughs> all the scenes with, um, uh, Supercore, whatever I'm supposed to call them, they're like that level of like, yeah, of course oh, they're like- flirting. What the fuck else would they be doing? Right. <laughs> and yet, yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah. I agree with that. Um, you know, I'll be, I, I think I'm kind of in between you two, uh, Leah and Gretchen with mm-hmm. how I feel about the shipping aspect. Cause I, I don't like any of it. I think the romance that they, the romances that they actually wrote for season two are terrible. Although I was never really overly compelled by Cara and James either. No, this really show doesn't anything. know how to write romance. Stop. No. Like, point blank. No. It, they never have. Not at all. Right. I mean, the same way that they've never had a compelling villain arc. They just, they're just good at some things and really bad at others. Yeah, but right. at the same time, like, I watched season one and it was fine. I agree it wasn't really, like, the stuff that I was going to get obsessed about. What got me obsessed was totally Supercore. And that's my own projections from Korasami. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I appreciate so much about the show and Kara's character and what she's able to do because now all I see is Korra parallels. But, right. you know, what if we took Korasami, but white? Guys. Right. I do remember the day that you figured that out, Kylie. I vividly remember the day when you were like, it's Korasami! Yeah, I think, I think it was when Lena was under a table building a science machine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. All right. A few points in favor of season two, because I feel like we're being yeah. a little bit mean to it. And right. I think right. it redeemed when shot. Yeah. Wynn was not a fan oh. fave at the end of season one. He was universally despised at the end of season one. And now not even- universally. I liked him after episode oh. 10. Oh, no, I thought Wynn was great but from the, from I'm the get go. But I was, yes. Even despite Jeremy's recent foibles, Wynn is right. very much beloved by the fandom now. And that was right. not yeah. a given at all. That was very hard no. work that they did to, to reconstruct his mm-hmm. character. Right, because now he's, like, everyone's favorite, like, adorable kid brother. Exactly. Just because he's more adorable than Mon Hell, yeah. Alex well, is coming no, out arc. he's a big, giant nerd. Like, they yeah. turned, like, they erased all of his, like, entitled behavior, and were yes. just like, fine, he's a big nerd, and Alex likes to threaten him, and isn't that cute? Because it is kind of cute, because he does stuff, and Alex is like, Jeremy. Or not Jeremy, <laughs> like, Wynn. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, right, Alex. Whatever. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And which, Alex which is, is what, another thing, yeah, I think no, they did well was like Alex no. and Wynn is like bro TP. Like yeah. I love them. I want them to hang out all the time. Oh, and totally. Alex's coming out arc, I think, was yes. some of the best queer television that's been made on network yes. TV ever. Those first, regardless episodes. of how you feel about how Sanders turned out, I think the five yep. episode arc that was Alex realizing it and coming to terms uh-huh. with it. Is right, and it's not a story we yeah. we get enough of of like Look, an older woman like figuring out her sexuality. Like we don't get that story <laughs> enough, and they did it really well. Look, I'll say the first eight episodes of the show of of the season were solid. It was yep. really good. Introduced interest, it, like there were a lot of interesting tensions introduced. Like the setup for season two was great, absolutely great. 
Um, I'll say something nice too. Uh, <laughs> she says regretfully. I know. I love pain in her voice. No, no. I mean, like, I did like some of the themes that it introduced. I don't know that it necessarily handled them well, but the the themes of legacy, particularly, and family, and what that means, was actually pretty consistent throughout every character at some point. Also, right. Clark. <laughs> oh, we didn't yeah. have Clark in right. season one. Right. Yeah, that was nice. No, I they think did. They made a good. Yeah. It was a really Tyler big a ask. Job. It was a really big ask to introduce Superman and into the show without making it be about Superman. Right. And I think and they I, really I, pulled that yeah. off. Yeah, because I had my concerns when, like, their advertising over the summer hiatus was like, Superman! I was like, oh shit. Like, they're gonna ruin this show because they're bringing Superman to make it all about Superman. So I was skeptical. I was super skeptical about that. And I really liked how they handled it. Also, it totally fine, yeah. I will come out swinging for Handsome Jack, Lena's boyfriend who died, because he's robots. Okay. I like. <laughs> I loved Handsome yes. Jack. If you say we're adding Rahul Kohli to this show, I will say yes. I don't care who he's playing. I don't care yes. why. I love looking at his face, and I love the fact that Lena had one, one person <laughs> with whom she had a good relationship at some point in her life. I know. One time. Oh. <laughs> And then it ended horribly. Look, Look man. This arc was well done. The, the Martian style. arc was well done. You um, know. Lena's relationship with Lillian, like, that was. Very exquisite. Like, yeah. pain, like, painfully accurate yeah. and well done. Yep. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I was gonna say, I'm just thinking about Jeremiah in contrast. Oh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Sorry. Oh Yikes. We're gonna all be dumb for an episode. Oh so my god. Is- Worst episode of the whole show, hands down. Hands yeah. Oh god, absolutely. Not oh, even, not even so a question. Bad. We are so a, we are a paramilitary secret super spy agency, and we do not perform even the most rudimentary scans to find out if people have metal fucking arms after they've if been- they have no robot arms. After no, they've been no. sequestered by our enemies for a decade. Nope, they can just go nope, home. Not at all. And we let them wander. We, we let them wander off by themselves with zero <laughs> supervision. Uh, That's fine. You know, Griffin and I wrote that piece. What the hell is up with the DEO or DEO? No, <laughs> yes. This is just like, do they have people standing that. around an office where? <laughs> oh my gosh, a fake hotel room. Yeah. yeah, the fake hotel. I love that honey pot. It's a fake hotel in the middle of the city. No, I mean, uh, Julia, I think, I think there have been a lot of pieces already on the weaknesses of season two mm-hmm. from us as well. Like Gretchen right? and I thoroughly deconstructed this. Yeah, um, so let's talk instead. Okay. You know, season three is coming up. Like, do we have concerns or what can it do? Series regular kid. Yes. Yes. Series regular kid. I'm excited about that. Yes. I'm so, really excited about rain. Mm. Like, sad mom may or may not be human and wants to be normal is like coming at so yep. many of my buttons. Yep. Like and speaking I, of, speaking of Dawn, excited. you know, is this blood? Am I real? I'm going to cry. Yep. That'll be good. I am excited that they do seem to be moving back towards exploring Kara's Kryptonian legacy. Mm. Yes. By bringing back in, like they recast um the role of her mother. Into um, Erica Durance, who I'm actually really fucking excited for. Yeah. I, I know it's a stupid reason to be excited, but I love her. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you can't get Laura Benanti, like, go with Erica Durance. It's like, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so like, I'm excited for that because I think that that, um, is potentially really interesting character work for Kara. Um, yeah. grappling with that, especially now that she has more information about her dad that was kind of dropped, but hopefully they're picking that back up again. Yeah, I mean, I think like, the most breathtaking scene of the whole show is when she confronts Hollow Mom, you know, with Ugh. Her, Yeah, like, punch me in the face. So, I'm excited <sighs> to, I also, I'm genuinely, optimistically, tentatively excited <laughs> about Kara kind of going to the dark place and Wanting to only I be would Supergirl like it if it weren't because... about the fact that she lost her boyfriend. Well, like, look, I... She lost her whole planet and her family and her culture and everything that There's... made her who she was, and she was still a delightful human being. She's right, but who, she like... wasn't... <laughs> I, I'm excited about it because I know that's not where they're going to live, right? I genuinely oh, trust I that this know. show is... N- I really... I really don't think this show... I said this last time I was I was here. I said this when I was on Ladies First. This show loves women, and this show loves Kara. I don't think it's possible for them to so utterly lose sight of who she is that she would abandon her human identity forever. And I think that having her try to will force them to explore things with her that they have not talked about in a while. I think it will be healthy for her. Knock on wood. I think... I agree, but the motivation <laughs> is super lacking. Well, right. Like, That's where I am. Is like, yeah. I like the idea in theory, but if it's like my boyfriend that I could totally see because we have a giant, like, interplanet, intergalactic teleportation gate just like parked outside the city. So like, <laughs> I could go visit him on weekends. Um, oh my God. like, if the reason is like, oh, my boyfriend's gone because he literally can't survive on Earth and I could go see him on another planet, but still my boyfriend's gone, I it just not that's not compelling to me. The place where they're going could be really interesting, but I want there to be a better reason. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she's also sad about like pumping everyone full of lead poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> and that <laughs> this is a totally sad. safe like, thing to do. There's just a little bit of lead in the atmosphere. I just want to know what that magical number is. That's like, we're not poisoning all of humanity, but we are poisoning... The Daxamites. We also didn't think to shoot them, because why would we do that? It's a lot of bullets. And Monel was totally fine being in the DEO, which is lined with lead. (laughs) I never thought of that. So, we have... Is that that like... Maybe that's what made him so stupid! He was in a lead light environment the entire fucking time. It's like when Ron was working with a broken wand for three books. Oh my Maybe Mon Hell is actually really intelligent and it was all the fucking lead. Yeah, she'll like go through a portal and like meet him on the other side. He's actually this like super genius. He's like, I'm I'm not sure what I saw in you, but Oh my gosh. Oh my he had gosh. he had lead induced brain damage. <laughs> it all makes like sense. Up. Oh. We solved it. If they went with that, I would go for it. Like, not even lying. If they went with that, I'd be like, okay, sure. Maybe this new character will be better. Yeah. I'm, I love it. Alright, any closing thoughts on Supergirl? Should I watch it? Um, we'll get back to you. Okay. We'll see where this season goes. I honestly feel like that though. I could give it, we could give you a rundown of the best episodes of the season that you should watch. Alright. Just don't watch homecoming oh my god with the robot arm yeah with the robot arm that was dumb (laughs) literally the worst hour of television i've ever seen (laughs) 
Really? And I've, I worse? watched all of Game of Thrones. It was so. worth it's the blood of my blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was at least fun. All right, so we have been chatting about Supergirl for quite some time, which means we've actually run out of time for our fun segment of Aww. this podcast. So we are not allowed to have any fun. No, but, but I have so many feelings about into- Anakin Skywalker. God damn it. Look what I did. Speaking we, of robot arms. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we can have you on again, and we can <sighs> do a discussion of... Hey, can I just? Of, of, yeah, I'll just say my one my one sad theory before we move on. Okay, okay. what's your one sad theory? Do it, yeah. do it. Well, it's, so Hayden Christensen is the same exact age as Sebastian Stan, known Ooh, Mark Hamill okay. lookalike, and sadness Bucky Barnes. Oh my! And like oh, AU, okay. where Sebastian Stan is Anakin, oh. gives me a lot of feelings. Like, let's just think about that for two seconds, and then we can move on. <sighs> yeah, but Sebastian Stan Canadian. <laughs> I like sand. <laughs> I like sand too. Or I don't hey, like sand. <laughs> we're going to talk about some gay ships when we come back. You are not a scientist, and you don't know how that Cadmus device worked, but Jeremiah does. All right, guys. So for our final segment, we have you know three bot ANFJs on this podcast, along with our token straights. So we Woo! thought we'd talk about some <laughs> queer ships, and some of my best friends are gay though. I mean, that is true, though. <laughs> Are you talking about us, Julia? Yeah. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. She's not we allowed to have any other queer friends, just us. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> One aspect of queer shipping is that for years and years and years, we didn't have any. So it was all relegated to the land of subtext. And that was pretty nifty. Yeah. Except uh, then we started getting, you know, text, actual text. However, there is a little bit of pushback, sometimes against explicit representation in favor of subtext ships still. Uh, so let's just chat about that. I mean, if you're going to talk about subtext, you got to talk about uh, Kirk and Spock. Mm. It's kind of like the classical but- subtext relationship. Well, that, I, think, I, mean- I think there's a lot to be said for the more broken a source material is, the more it mm. invites fan interaction. Yes. Like... I've never felt the need to write Parks and Recreation fanfic, because Parks and Recreation is perfect, and it doesn't need my help, you know? <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's like, a, I don't um, really go looking for Steven Universe fic, because everything I need, I already get from Steven Universe. Right. Yeah, like, like the, yes. the most popular um, Star Trek franchise for fic is Voyager, because, like, you can do whatever the fuck you want with those characters. You can do whatever you want with those characters, because those characters are total blank slates. I mean, DS9... Has its problems. I love DS9. But, like, those <laughs> characters were actually, like, round and stuff. Right. Right? right. And they had relationships that, like, right. existed. But Voyager, you could just do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm honestly trying to, like, think of the characters from Voyager and mm-hmm. describe them by anything other than, like, what I remember them doing. I'm like, I don't know. I got nothing. The yeah, robot one. Nothing. The other robot one. Right? <laughs> the Borg one. <laughs> the angry one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it also depends on the type of narrative. Because, yeah. like, you know, Avatar and Korra, they're pretty tight shows, whatever you might think of. Uh, <laughs> I don't two of know Korra. that I would call Korra a tight show. Okay, there. it got there. Uh, three, either way. Three and four. <laughs> Books three and four are pretty tight. Avatar itself was, no, a, Avatar Avatar itself was a tight show. Mm-hmm. In that and regard. it spawned many, 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 many fanfics and a lot of, like, fix-it stuff. Not necessarily out of, of a fix-it nature, but, like, um, just exploring more and more and more. But a lot of that is because the the characters on Avatar are children. 
and yeah, there's, right, we miss out on seeing them grow up. Same is true for going back to Rose Tyler. You know, I was very satisfied with what Russell T. Davies did with the Doctor and Rose, but right. because that was, do you want to talk about subtext? <laughs> uh, that there was never that was always going to be going to remain unsaid, and so the point of fan fiction was to say all the unsaid things, mm-hmm. even though the the source material itself was still good. Right. Yeah, and those are also both speculative uh, fiction oh, yeah. settings yeah. too. So right. it's more fun to engage with that. Like, you I know, mean, you have like a world that's built, like like you know, like Leah said, like you know, there's this world, and you only ever see like one tiny little corner of it in that kind of mm-hmm. genre. And you know, you want to go to other corners, like right. Dorn, for example. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just, just play a little bit in, the, in this giant world. But like, even like in a song of ice and fire, like mm-hmm. there's a reason why you write gap filling fix. Yeah, because like I honestly couldn't imagine doing much with like actual canon. Exactly. But I, I think the like, reason there's so much pushback now from fans of shows that have queer relationships and Gretchen you and I talking about this earlier is that mm-hmm. somehow they think that a canon queer relationship would magically act the same way as a fic of a subtextual relationship would which it can't mm, yeah like by virtue no. of being the canon of a show it simply can't do those things and right. then people are disheartened and and feel betrayed when they were promised all of these things that a show just can't deliver. Like, even when they get what they want. Maggie Sawyer, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Klexa, for example. Right. Even when you are handed on a platter all of the things that you said that you wanted, it is never going to measure up to what you thought it could have been before it happened. Well, Klexa, I think, had its own reasons I mean, for... There were um, many... Uh, uh, yeah, fair, but... <laughs> Even prior to 307. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I would, I would say, God, cause in the case of Maggie Sawyer, I know, like, I'm sorry, she didn't measure up to what was written in the show. This isn't even like projection. She was a character. <laughs> and then she was like a face. Technically. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, like, there seems to be kind of like, um, a very thin line between, like, on the one hand, pandering and being all close to Earth and having this, like, perfect relationship, which is what Sanvers seems to be. And on the other hand, just, like, having people suffering all over the place for being gay, like, you know, like, turf right. wars. And, like, you want something in the middle where you have just, like, you know, like, an actual real relationship going on. But, like, <clears throat> Way hot. It, yeah, it seems to be hard yeah. to find even, that line. Even with way hot, though. I mean, I was, I was watching Tumblr and... In the last few episodes where it was like, yep. you know, oh my god, Nicole is abusive. Look at the way that she's controlling Waverly and, and, and the information that she gets. I can't believe it. Nicole is the worst and Waverly deserves so much better. Next episode, oh my god, Waverly is the worst. I can't believe yep. that she would yep. cheat on Nicole. She doesn't deserve happiness. This show is the worst and it's so homophobic. Like, I saw it. I watched it with my own eyes. Yes. Like I didn't because those people are not in my dash, but I totally believe you that I mean, it I happened. Saw, I saw people <laughs> shutting those people down, but like, right? You still see it in the in the response to it. Well, like, you're right. never gonna make like, especially when you have a super duper engaged fandom, you're never gonna make everyone happy, like in any relationship, gay or otherwise. So, right. Well, is the well, job like, of a creator to make their fans happy? But it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible to make every fan happy. 
Especially when, like, you know, people, like, you know, just fail reading comprehension and they don't <laughs> get what you're trying to do. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what you're talking about. I think it's the job of the creators to tell a story, the best story that they think that they can tell, while being cognizant of the impact that the story might have, particularly on vulnerable viewers. Because yeah. I'm trying to think, no one was happy with Zuko's, you know, turn to the dark side, quote unquote, in Crossroads of Destiny in book two of Avatar. But it's probably one of the best things they could have done for that narrative. No, Zuko had to backslide in order to be a three-dimensional person. Yep. Yeah. I was happy Absolutely. with it, but, you know. I, 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 was, I binge watched it ten, ten years after the fact, so yeah. I did not have to witness the Cirrus. <laughs> right, well, and I mean, and that brings up a really interesting point about um, three-dimensional queer characters, which... Oh, I think some of... I think part of what we're seeing now is... The more representation we get, mm-hmm. um, the more likely it is that we might have flat characters. Shitty representation. Yeah. And see, the thing is, is like I probably wouldn't say shitty as much as it is like flat. It like, feels more network mandated, maybe. Mm, I don't like. Th- I I think it's more they are so desperate to not be labeled problematic. That they right. are overcorrecting into overly perfect characters. Because right. if Especially I were with, yeah. hearing the feedback that these people hear, which is, you are homophobic if you don't make my ship canon, I I honestly, you know, the kids these days who are on my lawn, I worry <sighs> that they would rather people be gay than good. Right. Like, like when I think about the shows that really, or not even the shows, the media that like really formed me as a person and what I looked up to and what I imprinted on, right? The things that taught me morality, right? Harry Potter, uh, uh, The Little yeah. Prince, Doctor Who even. I was not right. looking for, and granted, I did not realize I was queer until later in life. If I were, if I were the kind of kid who knew at age six that I liked girls, maybe I would have looked for something different. And I don't want to, I don't want to disregard right. that experience because I know it's one that many people have. But I don't know that it would have made a difference to me that those characters were, you know, it didn't make a difference to me that those characters were all boys. You know, it, 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 right. it touched, it touched me in a place, right? And I think oh. that people are disregarding that place in favor mm. of, I want to see myself. Yeah. Regard and, and and only this one small part of myself. Yes, and, and that's exactly how I feel about it um, as well. I I mean I figured out my own queerness at twenty, so not super late, but you know not super early either. But I've always kind of felt that like one of the great things about fiction is that you do feel those connections and those empathies with people who don't necessarily look like you, mm-hmm. right. who have different experiences and different intersections. And I think that's you know really interesting because. What I am seeing, I agree with you. I'm seeing people saying, we just want it. You know, we want that character to be called bisexual. And that's the end of it. And you're even seeing people wanting like, okay, they have a bisexual character, but where's their lesbian character? You know, stuff like that. Where people are wanting their very, very specified alphabet soup kind of representation, just so they could be like, that character is me. And that there's a validity in that, certainly. Do you think, okay, so I'm totally just spitballing here. Do you think there's a level at which as long as the label is right, they can project their own experience on it? I think that's what it's they like think that will plays happen. into. Yeah. Right. That, I don't like, think that's what does happen. 
Right, but, like, that's what they think is, like, okay, if this character is, you know, bisexual, so for me it would be, not that I approach it this way, but the idea might be, well, if that character is labeled bisexual, then I can project myself onto that character and claim them as mine because, um, you know, so, like, thin writing, like, the right label and thin light, thin writing allows for more self-insert oh, totally. and projection Onto the character. I think a good example of this is you can't give Lena Luthor an ex-boyfriend. She's a lesbian. To which the writers go, (laughs) right? Since when? (laughs) Yeah. When is that a, when was that a thing? You know, the, and literally I see this all the time. It's unfair for them to have (laughs) cast an ex-boyfriend for Lena because don't they know we thought she was a lesbian? Yeah. Well, she was still interested in the dude. It's like, Julia, I, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I just. I mean, or I saw, I saw this reaction when, I mean, just recently, like when Billy Piper, mm. um, said that Rose would be into Jodie Whittaker, like, I saw people being like, oh, right. Yeah. Rose is a lesbian now. What? Yeah. yeah. And it's just <laughs> that's kind of like, that's a whole oh, other, that's a whole other kettle of um, fish. But like, say. I think that like, but like, it's that attempt to like, well, there was, a, there, there was an era, four-ish years ago, uh, around when Carmilla started, and it was, it felt like Hungry Hungry Hippos, and the bi <laughs> girls and the lesbians were all trying to snatch up their faves. Oh, oh. yeah, no, this was, right, this was uh, when Korosami, yep, no, yeah. this, cause this was when Korosami had just finished too, and then people were screaming about what label to call that. Yeah, and so like, oh, that was- I kinda a, came into fandom right after that. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a very but contentious period where it was it really felt like you know the farmers and the cowpokes can't be friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you just made an Oklahoma reference. I love you. <laughs> and like, I think we've moved past that. We've somehow gone both below and above it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I, agree I know with what you. you're getting. At. Yep. Like, Especially because like the network response has seemed to be just like put in more of the different. Labels so everyone has something. Yay. Make a sensate. <laughs> yeah, which is fun. And like, no, there seriously is a validity just to hearing a character say, yo, I'm bisexual. Yeah. Cause like, okay. Yeah, you don't really hear that a whole lot. Or just like hearing that own label and being like, yes, they will get it. But y- I mean, you need, I think you need to- your writing to back this up. These aren't the- I think we have to concentrate <sighs> on how new an experience this is for a lot of people. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is really the first generation of, like, you know, little baby gays or whatever who can grow yeah. up seeing this kind of representation and, like... I don't... Frankly... No, I'm, this is a mean... I was about to say I don't think it's good for them, and that is not a thing I believe. <laughs> I take that back. Yeah. But I think that we are... We are on the I mean, it's kind of like black exploitation, of... you know? Like... Yeah. Well, it was well, it was empowering no, for so well. many people just because like this is the first time that like you know there were movies like like about black people in that way. And it's kind and of I think like, the black exploitation era for gay people was like, you know, The Birdcage and In and Out, like yeah. mid-90s rom-com gay is a very different kind of. Mm-hmm. But but I see what you're saying with yeah. where it's like there's there's the version of it that's for not the community and then yeah. there's the version of it that's for the community. Right. And it's like, well, I'll just take whatever I can get if that's seeing me in some way. But, you know, in terms of it being good for people or not, I do think in a general sense, there's a lot of anxiety now tied up into labels. What box am I in? 
And what I'm seeing, especially with younger, you know, people on social media, is that there is kind of this rush to immediately figure out, like, okay, where do I fit? Yeah. Am, I, am I pan? Am I am I polysexual? Like, what, what what's going on? And they just I, kind of rush into these I hate boxes. This attraction model. It just makes people anxious. Yes. yes, it just breaks the babies. It really does. It's not good for them. Because what you, you I find a box, an you, person, you cling it's to it, and you think. Right, right, like, and, and, and you, you think you, you settle into something and this is gonna, okay, I'm valid, I'm here, mm-hmm. and yes, you are. But and then, like, you see somebody is, that doesn't, like, you are vaguely attracted to that doesn't fit into the box you're supposed to be in. And, and it then shatters your sense of crisis. self. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, it absolutely <laughs> does. And, and like, to me, just, labels are very useful politically to get stuff done. Mm. They're very useful to find other people to talk about collective experiences, mm, right. but there comes a time where they do constrain mm-hmm. a- as well. And there needs to be less of a sort of elevation of these labels as the be all end all, because the goal isn't to find the label. The goal is to find a life that's comfortable for yourself. Right. And it's not just, and live it. It's not just labels of people. It's la- tropes. The dead lesbian right. trope. It's you're not allowed to kill a lesbian ever or else it's homophobic. And I'm like, well, that's. Yeah. Not true. Because that's another, like, baby representation thing. Like, in 20 yeah. years, when we have, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of lesbian relationships in media, and, like, you know, maybe 5% of them end badly, that's fine. But, like, you know, right now, when you have, like, a sample of, like, five and, like, three of sure. them badly, then, you know. Right. But I, I saw a lot of, like, well, clearly no one is ever allowed to kill a lesbian character ever again because mm-hmm. that's the trope. And I'm like, that's not the trope. The trope is when someone is overtly punished by the narrative yeah. for having almost mm-hmm. had a gay happy ending and then have it be traumatically st- torn away from them because of their queer also, identity. Like, if someone is not- gay and dies, that's not the trope. Yeah. It could be. Right, and like people don't understand too. All gay all people trope do is, die. is a label for a pattern of storytelling. Right. Not right. all tropes are bad. I, I wrote a piece on this. It's called To Kill a Lesbian. Nice. And it's about like, and I kind of tried to say like, here's criteria to make you really think, is this a justified move? It's really criteria you could apply to anything you're doing right. in your story. I just happen to apply it to killing lesbians or right. any queer women for that matter. But like, all it is is a pa- tropes are not inherently good or evil, and sometimes they're going to come up, and right. like sometimes something will, you know, technically have a love triangle, but it could mm-hmm. be very meaningful. You don't know how it's going to go, so like, right to uh, immediately rush and hide us into like this special little untouchable bubble—that's worse yeah. in the long run. It's a reasonable reaction, but it's worse, right? <laughs> and I think, I mean, along those same lines, there there's this confusion between I think because of all of the the queer women who were killed off of television in the last couple of years, there's this confusion between, like, a happy ending and a happy story. Mm. That, like, um, I want a happy ending, (laughs) therefore, the whole story must be happy. It's like, well, like, right, exactly. Like, Mm -hmm. you can have a happy ending, and the path that you get there isn't necessary, doesn't have to be happy to get a happy ending. Like, a happy ending is literally just... The ending to the story is happy. Like, but that <laughs> yes. doesn't mean the rest of the story is happy or that there's no conflict or that and there's I'm no sorry, drama. But let my queer ships fight. Mm, Jesus. Yeah. Let them be human beings. Yeah, that's good. Jones. It's also, I think that there's a, a real <laughs> misunderstanding of like, I sometimes people, I, there's like the straw man of the hypothetical really great straight ship. We're like, straight <laughs> ships are allowed to do this or do that. And I'm like, name me one. <laughs> like, I really struggle to, th- like, 
I'm trying to think of like my. But... I'm trying to not talk about the Doctor and Rose again. Um, Angel and Cordelia. I loved mm. them. I had to ignore three quarters of canon in order, in order to be happy shipping them. Like, yeah, I mean, even Han and Leia, you have to ignore Return of the Jedi, right? It's like, everyone yeah, is happier when they ignore Return of the Jedi. Not me. I love Ewoks. I'm an Ewok apologist. That's not here or there. Um, We're going to have to have you back to talk about that. (laughs) But I'm really, I'm really, like, name me one iconic straight couple from television that somehow managed to have all of these cute scenes and fights that all of fandom was totally happy about and thought was good TV at the time. Leslie and Ben. Fair. But like I said, Parks and Rec is perfect. (laughs) But even then, I think at the time it was like, oh my god, you know, Leslie and when Leslie and Ben were had to be broken up for a while, people were. What about Lucy and Desi? That is going very far back to find an example. With him coming, whatever. (laughs) With him coming home and like infantilizing her the second he walks through the door, it pleased everybody. They had separate. Well, I mean, TV was very different back then. (laughs) But like she was pregnant, and they never used the word pregnant. It was awesome. So that's creativity. Oh my god! But like I'm really, oh my gosh, I'm really, you know. No, you're right. But like it's a, it's a very useful straw man. It's not an accurate straw man, but for like fandom discourse, it becomes a very useful straw man of like this is what we want because this is what other people get. Um, and I don't know if I think that there is a level at which. I mean, there are swaths of fandom that that may not actually engage in yeah. media that has. I mean, like the real ships. thing that like het ships and have that homosexual ships don't have is the privilege of being able to be fucked up without it being yes. Like, oh my yeah. god, this proves <laughs> straight so generic yeah, gays exactly. are special. Yep, it's that. Tra- yeah, it's, it's my tra- dad's tra- argument the, against the gay trope, marriage, yeah. and I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the gen- the general trope for anyone who wants to look that up yeah. is um, men are generic, women are special, yeah. but it totally applies to any other sort of marginalized group where it's like, uh, if something shitty happens first, if if a straight ship or a, a gay ship it, like does something problematic, it means that gays are problematic. Yeah. yeah. Because every gay ship speaks for gays. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Leo, you brought it up earlier, the example of uh, Waverly mm. kissing Rosita. Like... On yeah, this proves that all gays are promiscuous and horrible. Yeah. Right. Like it, all it's, yeah, it proves, <laughs> yeah. Right. Just right. Because uh, in the heat of the moment when yeah. she was really, really upset, she kissed a girl. Well, I, I think, you know? I, I, mean, yeah, I think what it. people really are hungering for, and you were, you were talking about this a second ago. It's not just what straight ships have that gay ships don't is they can fuck up successfully. It's that they can become canon successfully. If, yeah, right. if a guy and a girl make eyes at each other, they will probably kiss at least one time. And what people hunger for is the equal opportunity, if there's chemistry, right. they could pursue it. And we're not at that place yet. We're but getting also, there, I feel like. I mean, like... I do think we're getting the there. And also, like, the point of, You know, like, just, like, Kurosami versus, you know, what they're doing on the TV universe now. Like, that's only a few years. That was a month apart. Yeah. But it's also... I, I, I What I struggle with there is that... The difference between Kurosami and Steven Universe is that Kurosami was stumbled into and then embraced. Yeah. But isn't that how it should be? is in the DNA. Yes. No, I don't think it's how it like, should be. Like, isn't that what I talking that, about? That kind of, like, chemistry that they just kind of I mean, that's what happened with there? um That's what happened with um, fucking Root and Shaw as well. But, like, I think that... I think that people think that 
gaining gaze along the way is winning in a, in a, like keeping score in a way that uh, getting gaze at the start is not. Mm, hmm. Interesting. I like, yeah, yeah. And, and like, Julia, it's good writing in the sense that those shows followed the chemistry yeah, right. of the characters and the natural progression of the story, but it's not good writing in that, like, you kind of should. <laughs> you should know your story. Like, like, you should know your character. You should, there's a little bit of intentionality that really benefits queer characters. In the same way that, like, if you want to make a character Jewish, think about that as more than just, oh, let's whip out, you know, the, the menorah. Yiddish, Yiddish word time. I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. We should be so fucking lucky. Like, these intersections mean something. I would, I would prefer, yes, yes, ideally a story that is character led yeah. and also has a bit of intentionality with the intersections of the characters that they're writing. But I think and if people at- take for granted, uh, the Fosters, right? You, me, her. Stories that, ha- that have gayness in their DNA. Like, we're writing a queer show, and then people go, well, we don't want queer shows, because they're only ever about coming out and homophobia, and so mm-hmm. the, the shows that are made for us, many times by us, Queen Sugar, in the first place, we don't watch, we don't talk about, we don't appreciate, because mm-hmm. in the scorekeeping, it doesn't feel like as much of a win as... Ah, classic. right. I see what you're getting at. But like, yeah, you want, and but look you where want- that got us. You want, like, gayness in the mainstream as well, just because, like, you know, that's where people live in the mainstream. Well, yes, right? but, but it's, I think that the, the logic that a show that has gayness in its DNA can't mm-hmm. be mainstream is exactly. a part of the problem. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're getting there. We're not there yet. Right. You're totally right about that. Hey, remember when I said I didn't want to edit an hour and a half episode? <laughs> well. <laughs> well. We're not there no. yet. We're we're not quite there, but we're like a sweet uh, three minutes time limit. Yeah, let's extend this metaphor (laughs) or something. I don't know. We're we're uh, up against our time, so I think we're going to close out this conversation for now. But definitely, huge thanks to Leah. Oh my god, thank you for having me. To have back, we got to talk about Ewoks. Apparently, (laughs) we have to talk about Ewoks and Anakin. We need to have a Star Wars episode. Oh my god! Yeah, we totally do. If you thought I didn't shut up this time. Hey, episode eight is coming out this uh winter, so oh, yeah. this is the time to do a Star Wars episode. True. We can make fun of the uh Star Wars podcasts like Nerd Crew does or something. Oh my I gosh, I love Nerd Crew. <laughs> That'd be Nerd great. Crew. I also want to look into creating a buy an FJ shirt. Yeah, yes. I don't be know why you still haven't done dozens. it. I mean, you keep talking about it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, we need yeah. to make it. We also we also need to make Suffering Empath and Dutiful Princess shirts. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I can buy one I of those three. And not be a And then, a, yeah, and then Asami can wear all of them <laughs> under her shirt. At exactly. the same time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's just gonna run just around layers. with a bunch of shirts on. Yes. <laughs> I can't put my arms <laughs> down! Well, you know, then I can add that into the Asami wardrobe analysis that I do. So it will all come together. Which shirt is she wearing right now? <laughs> In Turf Wars? The I'm drunk shirt, I think. I don't know what's going on. She seemed just like a little bit tipsy throughout that whole comic. Just oh, like, she's dude, drunk on love. You no, know, it's more like, okay, Sammy, I know you're trying to make a good impression, but you didn't have to take all the corn mash that Tanrock offered you. <laughs> oh my god. 
Yeah. Anyway, if you want to see more of this, um, you know, really strong analysis, go to thefandamentals.com and check us out. We also have a couple other podcasts of note. One is Ladies First, mm-hmm. the Fem Slash podcast that Leah had mentioned. Uh, we've got Unabashed Book Snobbery. If you like to hear us bitch about Game of Thrones and gush about A Song of Ice and Fire. And then... Oh, we have cinematic, cinematic release, release, which is a what's film. It called? It's it's called something new now. Oh gosh, darn it! I can't remember. <laughs> Very <laughs> responsible editors. We're so professional, guys. Um, also, if you want to hear more of me talking about things, uh, you should come to my con. Uh, Gretchen's yes. house. It's super fun. Yeah, uh, you <laughs> can great. find us. You can find us at tgifemslash dot com. We are going to be uh having our convention February sixteenth through 18th in sunny LA. Uh, and it will be three days of very intimate uh, roundtable panels about girls who like girls. I mean, it's basically just the same kind of thing that we do on this podcast. It's this, with but Just more. like a hundred people. Yeah. It's this, but <laughs> yeah, louder Like a hundred people. Yeah. And there's an auction. <laughs> this there is. For like fanish stuff. You know, it's, it's really cool. Wait, I'm sorry. What month was this again? It's called TGI Femslash. February. Because my sister's moving to L.A. Yeah. Uh, do it. January, come. So. You should come. Yeah, you should come. It's, yep, a, it's, a, it's a fun time. And if you come if like you come the song. Thursday before, we're going to, like, try to all go see Black Panther together. Because that's when it comes out. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you Alrighty, guys for having if, me. I had such a fun time. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. And hey, if you guys had a fun time listening to us, then you should tell a friend about our podcast. Yay! That's a good idea. And you should leave you us should reviews. Also, yes, probably five star reviews, ratings, reviews, <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, I mean, we were talking about merch. Uh, we also the Fundamentals has a store. We've got lots of cool geeky wear, and we will be having more soon. Um, it's pretty awesome. You if should I can get on that. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Well. Check that out, and otherwise, we will talk to you next time. Oh, bye, everybody. Bye. bye. Goodbye. Fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Whose fun is that? Was Hi. that a fun I heard? Was oh, that to make for I got one of those scam bank things where it's like, <laughs> put your pin number to your phone. Yeah. Lady. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Incredibly professional. <laughs>